Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. It is indeed Inside the Clubhouse. It's Spiegel solo on a Saturday morning. Bruce Levine has the week off. And enjoying the conversation with uh, our friend Ryan Dempster, who uh, is with us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Demp, have you retained your um, your position um, within the organization, a special assistant to the GM? I think it was. Are you still doing that among other among other roles? Um, yeah, I'll still be um, helping out. Um, you know, wherever I can, there probably on a on a little less basis, um, mm-hmm. but you know, always. Uh, Always there to to help whenever I can. Um, you know, whatever whatever is needed, I'll I'll do. But uh, busy definitely with uh, with the off the mound stuff and stuff with Marquee and hopefully getting back out to MLB Network at some point. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it, it's interesting times for the for the front office. As you know, Theo Epstein has been very open about um, potentially transitioning out at the end of this year. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of other people, a lot of players, obviously. And then I just read. John Baker, John Baker's uh, apparently much desired in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Baker is such a good dude and the mental skills coordinator with the Cubs, but to be a farm director, I didn't know that that was anything he aspired to, but those rumors are out there uh, on the internet for all to see. Interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, John Baker is uh, an incredibly smart dude, um, you know, a catcher at the big league level. So, you know, I always feel like those guys, they just see the game differently than all the rest of us because, you know, they, they literally are seeing it different than everybody else. They're seeing it from behind home plate. And, you know, for him to, you know, be under, uh, you know, the blanket of the mental skills uh, coordinator is probably unfair because he does so much more than that. You know, he has the ability, sure, to help you on the mental side, but to be able to actually, you know, help a young catcher from the physical side or a young hitter or work through those things that he did at the big league level on, and, you know, he's kind of done it all. So um, I, I doesn't surprise me or shock me in the least because his qualifications are, are for sure there to be able to help uh, run an entire minor league system, no doubt. He uh, he turned me on to uh, to my meditation guru these days, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, uh, who wrote a lot of different books. But, like, uh, you know, I, I told Baker that I, that I was – you know, doing a practice of, of meditation. He recommended me that guy, and that, that guy's the good. So, you know, works for me. What, what the hell? Well, be my absolutely. Meditation is great, man. And, like, yeah. you know, just the mental aspect of it all, right? Like, so much of our life, our, our baseball career is mental. It, 
we all got the physical tools. You don't get drafted because you're not physically good enough. You, you know, there's tons of guys who throw 95 to 100 in the minor leagues, and what separates them is the ability to, you know, to control the mental aspect of the game, to slow things down in the in those moments. So, yeah, through meditation, through thought process, through, uh, you know, doing things to reinforce positive thoughts and positive, uh, you know, mind mind waves is always a bonus. And he, he was really, really good at that. He is really, really good at that. And I hope uh, – I hope he stays right where he's at, but I can understand if if somebody else would want him because he's he's incredible. Let me let me ask you about what one of those one of those mental aspects. It seems so counterintuitive. I don't know how you figure out figure it out. I was I was reading some quotes earlier today from a, a young pitcher who got hurt in the playoffs. How does a young pitcher learn the right mix of doing what you're told, accepting the ball, and doing your job, and speaking up when you're not feeling right? Because you won't be at your best if you're not feeling right, and you could hurt yourself, and you might also not be as effective. But you don't you don't want to be the guy who says no when the manager or the pitching coach comes and asks you. That's got to be a, a difficult balance to learn. It, it really it was a, it took me a long time to learn that. You know, I was stubborn. I, I just felt like uh, no matter what, even if I wasn't a hundred percent, that I could help the team. And and then you start to realize, wow, like me me out uh, 95% sure 90% okay I can figure this out or whatever it is but when you're when you're not at your best and you're going to hurt the team you're actually helping more by standing up and saying hey listen I, I'm not good to go right now and I wish I was but um, I, I can't help us like I normally could help us and um, I, I think managers really really appreciate that um, you know Greg Maddox once said to you know when you used to talk to a manager you never lie you lie for a manager never to him hmm. you know like if you need to protect him in the media or you need to say something that is between you two and keep it that way but never lie to your manager tell him the honest truth if you're done you're done if you're good you're good and and then what happens is that's how you build a lot of trust because when they see that you're being honest and I, and I took that to, I remember going getting traded down to Texas and Ron Washington pulled me, wanted to pull me out of the game. And I, it was after a good inning. I was throwing the ball well, and I said, I'm good. And he's like, ah. And he looked at Mike Maddox, who's our pitching coach, and Mike said, he, he ain't lied to us yet. And so he let me go back out there. And, you know, and, and there's been times where I've had to go to a manager and say, hey, like, uh, I just don't feel good. you got to get somebody up in the bullpen. So um, you, you just you got you to learn to manage that. And it is a tough bounce, especially for a young guy, because you're trying to make your way in the, in the game. You don't want to look – you know, quote unquote weak, but if you're not, if you're not able to help the team, like you're supposed to be helping the team, then you're putting them at a disadvantage. So, um, and I think we've seen that change a lot over the years where guys are a little bit more transparent and with, with their coaches and with their managers and the training staff. How did it manifest for you when you were either off physically or tired? Did you lose control? Did you lose ride on fastball? Did you lose break? What did you, what changed for you? Yeah. I, you know, sharpness on breaking balls command was a big one so like you know when I, I remember when I hurt my elbow in Cincinnati and and not saying anything about it and going out there and pitching and trying to pitch through a torn ligament in my elbow and I'd throw two pitches you know on the corner on the corner get 0-2 and you know now all of a sudden it's like okay let's throw another one down there and, I, and I'm throwing it like up and in I just all of a sudden completely lose it and it's like I'm I'm not supposed to be out here right now and I finally just had to go in, but it, I was stubborn and I, and I made that mistake. And, and, you know, it cost me a Tommy John surgery, maybe possibly, I don't know, but it also cost me, you know, trust of the manager and, and, you know, even just my own self doubt. And so I learned a lot from that year and, and promised myself that, I, 
you know, as long as I could be physically okay to go and help the team, I was going to do that. But if, if I was not going to be in the best shape to give us the best chance to win, then I was going to say something. Demp, I, you did so many different roles, you know, in your career. I mean, frankly, when I think of guys who've been both starters and closers at a high level, I think of Smoltz. Um, I think of Eckersley, who won 20 games in 78 and then obviously was a Hall of Famer as, as a closer. And I, and I think of you. You're, you're right there. And, I, you know, and obviously Kerry Wood in the same organization. But could you have done all those different kind of roles like during the course of the same year like those guys in Tampa Bay were asked to do? Like, could you have approached your baseball life every day not knowing if you were a fifth-inning guy, an eighth- or ninth-inning guy, or an opener? Like, I mean, maybe all three of those things you would do during the course of a week. Would that work for you? <laughs> you know what? My young me, probably not. But an older me, yeah. I think what's changed, Maddie, is the communication factor. You know, like where they talk about we don't have closers, we got outgetters. We, you know, yes. those that kind of mentality. When you have those conversations and with the player, and the player knows what to expect. I think the the unexpected stuff is what's tough. You know, when all of a sudden you're like, hey, I've I pitched in the you know the eighth inning for the last two months, and all of a sudden I'm up in the fifth. But that that for a pitcher or a player, that's that's hard because we're preparing ourselves mentally to go through that. But if you have the conversations before and you're prepared for any scenario. Sure. Why not? Let's go. Just put me in there whenever you need me to get out. And taking that mentality and buying into that mentality and um, is is really really important. And you know you want to be there to help the team. And I you know I kind of did that anyways. I was pitching well in 2005 out of the rotation, made six starts. I think four good ones, two not so good. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, can you close? That's what we needed in order for us to try and win some ball games. And I said, sure, let's go. Um, you know, and then it's like, Hey, do you want to go back to starting rotation? Absolutely. I remember Lou calling me up in the office, told me on the plane ride from New York to Chicago that I was going to go into the rotation after the weekend. And then after the weekend realized he didn't have anybody else to close. So then he said, Hey, you're going to go back to the bullpen, but we'll give you a chance next year. And so, you know, going back and forth, but that just came with the conversation. Once you have that and you understand it, uh, you can move forward. It, it, you know, w- the way that World Series ended, that last decision with Blake Snell, I, I, I've been trying, I, I was trying to figure out why it bummed me out as much as it did. Just because, like, I love what Tampa Bay does. I have so much respect for what they do and how committed they are and, and getting it done. But then here in that moment, he went, he went with what they've done. But I think what ended up bumming me out is, like, all, all my life, just from watching, you know, I feel like I've learned to try and all right, watch. Let's watch the game. Let's see how the hitters are reacting. Let's see how 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 the pitcher looks. Let's see how confident he looks. Let's see, you know, if the guys would be excited. The other hitters, if he were to leave the game, if they would not be excited. Like to actually try and pay attention to that stuff and and listen to that more than anything else. You know what I mean? And I just felt like he didn't listen to that. Uh, it, it, were you were you watching the game? Like, did it feel like I can't imagine watching that game and thinking, "Yep, this is time to do that." Absolutely, you know. Yeah, I, I'm right with you because we all we, when we turn on a game, no matter what sport it is, we're always hoping that we catch that magical moment, right? Like, we want to we want to turn on a game, an NBA game, and watch somebody drop fifty, or we want to watch a hockey game and see somebody score a hat trick. We want to see a starting pitcher have this, you know sometimes career defining moment and you're right it's what we watch what we see with our eyes and i understand the analytics like you know but at the end of the day like you know alec mills threw a no hitter was that in the 
you know, the cards, we, did, we didn't know because we, we, did, we, we could a lot of times kind of just premeditatedly stop that. Well, it's third time through the lineup. Cool. Today I might be able to go through the lineup six times. That's just <laughs> how I'm going today. And, and it changes from day to day. And, and I thought more about it. And the more it's gone on and the more I've talked about it and thought about it, it actually excites me that he took him out. And the reason I say that is I just felt like baseball was going in this unfortunate direction, you know, with the pace of play and how things slow down and this whole third time through the lineup and the numbers and the bullpen, 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 and all this stuff going back and forth. Um, that it actually just kind of said in my head, like maybe this is a defining moment where we actually start to go back to the other way a little bit, where we actually just, sure, take all the data in we can, but understand that those are human beings playing the game. They're not stratomatic cards. They're not computer games. They're, they're living, breathing humans that have different emotions on every different day. And all of the information we can get is great, but our eyes, ultimately can tell us more than those, you know, those pieces of paper we get or those computers that we look at. And, and hopefully that's a moment where it just changes a little bit back in the other way. And we see some starting pitchers going seven, eight innings because they can, because mm-hmm. physically they can, if we teach them to do that, they can do it. Boy, I hope so. That, that, that'd be really nice. It, it is. It feels like the age old question of the game, like trust your gut and your eyes or trust the book. And the book has changed. The book keeps changing. The book keeps getting better and better. The book is a computer. It's a really good computer now. And it's a great, great book. But it's the same thing. You know what? Somebody brought up Grady Little to me uh, in the wake of that. And I realized that that was the same kind of moment. But he made the different decision. But it was the same mistake. Because if you were watching Pedro in that World Series game. Or in that, that ALCS game. He was getting ripped. Like three guys in a row had hit these like serious line drives and the Yankees had a lather going and Grady didn't watch the game and 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 base it on that he, he you know so it's the same kind of thing it's maybe it will be a, a lesson to be learned because Blake Snell was pitching the game of his life wasn't he and he knew he, it. he, he was and it was going to be his moment and he knew it and he was dominating those guys and um you know it, it's unfortunate and you know like Kevin Cash said I'm I'm just a, you know I, I I regret it because the result turned out to be what it was obviously but um yeah, there's just there's something about looking up the paper, you know, or whatever your app on your phone and saying, "Oh man, look at Ace versus Ace." I'm going to go pony up with a buddy at a bar and watch this. So we're going to sit down with my son and watch this pitching matchup. But now, a lot of times, it doesn't matter, and we're creating that own data, right? Like, oh, third time through the lineup, he can't get anybody else, so we're not going to let him face anybody. But then this random Tuesday, we're going to let him face somebody, and then he doesn't get anybody else third time through the lineup, and we go see. Couldn't get anybody out third time through the lineup. I know you haven't let me do it in two months. You know, That's how about right. teach me how to get through the lineup four times? How about instead of finding the swing path, right? And yeah. we go to the data right away in the first at bat on the leadoff hitter, and I throw him three breaking balls. Instead, I just throw him fastballs down the middle, and he grounds out to short, and I still have the breaking ball in the back pocket for maybe yeah. not even the second time, maybe the third time through the lineup. That's what I'm talking about. We have all this data that we jump to right away instead of letting it play out to find out. When we need to use the data, when do I go to that weakness in the hitter? When do I find that hole in the swing path that I go to? Instead of just doing it every time, now when that hitter comes up third time through the lineup, he's like, I've seen eight breaking balls. Cool. Throw me another one. It better be perfect because I've seen all of your breaking balls. So that's what I'm talking about, teaching these guys how to navigate through a lineup and how to you know, do those kind of things. We saw it out of Kyle Hendricks against the Cardinals last year. They were tired coming from Washington. They had a rain delay. They got in at 3 o'clock in the morning. What do you do? He threw 85 right down the middle, and they popped it up and grounded it out. 
because he knew that he took that into effect. He didn't overthink it. And, and I, and I, like I said, I just, I felt for Blake Snell. I felt for Tampa Bay. Kevin Cash is a great manager. He wasn't trying to lose that game. It was just one of those moments that he's going to have to live with. But like I said, hopefully it's a turning point back in the right direction. Catch off the mound with Ryan Dempster on Marquee. I'm sure the one with you and Ross uh, will will play another time or two this week. I know it debuted last night. I, I caught it this morning. Um, you asked him about singing, um, and he you said he's a good singer, and he said, oh, I can't hang with you, Demp. So now I need to know what you guys have sung together, uh, like at Lester's house, uh, some some late night after a game or some Sunday morning. What, what have you and Ross sung together? Anything? Oh, man, anything, man, from Poison to, you know, Dirks Bentley to you name it. I mean, he absolutely can can slay hip-hop, old-school hip-hop. It's it's next level. So um, I, I've been practicing so that when he comes over next time when we can do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and keep up with him. But we have a ton of fun. We, we, we enjoy music, so I appreciate, I appreciate the plug for our love of karaoke. Yeah, man. Well, if you need somebody to come over and do the human beatbox while you guys are getting down to some of the old school hip hop, you know, ask ask a Jersey boy to accompany the Tallahassee kid and uh, and and Canada's finest, Ryan Dempsey. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, Demp. Thanks for waking up. Appreciate you. You got it, Matty. All right, man. Okay. All right. It's Ryan Dempster right there on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Tom Hamilton, uh, the Indians play-by-play man, will join us in a little bit to talk about Francisco Lindor and some other stuff. But I've been threatening it and teasing it. We'll talk some hot stove and why it's so frozen next on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Scar. Oh, little Prince does me just fine. It's interesting. So Minnesota is one of the teams that might be ready to spend in this offseason. We all know there's a ton of reasons why the hot stove is really frozen. Uh, One of them is just how weird the finances are. Obviously, a lot of owners crying poor and understandably so in terms of the specifics of of what they can pay somebody in, in terms of like, you have not been in a situation like this as an owner where you can't count at all on game day revenue. You have no idea if you're going to be able to have players, uh, people in the stands next year. And if you are going to have people in the stands next year, it might just be your season ticket, you know, your base of season tickets. It's not going to be any like single game buyers and, you know, your, 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 your pleasure seekers on a day. Like, your whole finances are screwy, especially if you're a team like the Cubs that depends on day of game revenue. There's a lot of legitimacy to that as you're dealing with an unspoken, you know, awkwardness to the market, which we're trying to speak on here and inside the clubhouse. But anyway, there's, here's a big indicator of the frost that does exist is when these guys options are declined and some make sense like John Lester at 25 mil or Corey Kluber's with his health issues, but some were insane. Nobody wanting Brad hand at $10 million is nuts. Just it's, it's a, it's a real indicator of what we're going to be looking at here for a while. And a lot of teams are not going to spend and we know that, but who might spend? Here are some of the teams that I've seen listed as potentially spending in this particular offseason. Two of them are in the White Sox division. The Tigers, now with A.J. Hinch, with a really potentially impressive young core of pitchers and a pitching coach they're really happy about. This guy, Chris Fetter, who I mentioned to you from, um, from Michigan. And they might be spending some money. And then Minnesota as they chase the final pieces to try and get over the hump and, I don't know, win a single playoff game. Can you win one playoff game if you're the Twins? I, um, you know, they want to, that's for sure. So the Tigers and the Twins might be spending, and then three in the American League East, the Blue Jays, feeling like they're close after having gotten where they got and with an interesting young core the Yankees always the Yankees and you know why the Yankees are going to be able to spend because they've still got some studs on some really low money contacts Aaron Judge contracts I think Aaron Judge is making less than five million dollars he was last year anyway so he's still there and that number is going to jump like crazy But the Yankees and the Rays, maybe the Rays will spend a little bit because that payroll is so crazy low. None of those guys in the bullpen make any money for the Rays. They're just all their own bullpen creations. One more that I've I've seen as a potential spender is the Giants, who might be ready to dive in in terms of where they are. 
in their kind of rebuild, retool arc. There's another big question that looms over this offseason, and that's, is there a DH in the National League or not? It's a big deal for roster construction. It's a big deal for the value of these hitters as they approach the market. And owners will use that in uh, negotiations, obviously, when the CBA is negotiated after the next season. It's going to be a big deal. We know that's going to be very, uh, probably very ugly between the players and the owners as they talk about these different things to try and get into the CBA. But that looming give and take between the union and the owners, we're going to get a preview of that before this particular offseason. And isn't that a fun idea to think about? But is there a DH? Nobody knows if there's going to be a DH in the National League, if there's a universal DH or not this next season. The players want it. Most front offices want it. Most front offices and most high-ranking executives do not um, do not feel like they want to see their pitchers hit. They don't want to see it. So they've got uh, they've got vested interest in having the DH be there. And owners, though, they want to get something for it. They're going to try to squeeze their expanded playoffs in for another year, along with the uh the the designated hitter so if you're going to do one you're going to do the other um before we bring in our next guest i will share with you the breaking news that ap the associated press and cnn have called the election for joe biden so that official news which uh, a lot of people have been waiting for has now just crossed mere moments ago but that will not derail our baseball conversation Damn it. And even though I don't have a magic wall to go up to like John King or Steve Conracki, I do have a phone line to bring in Tom Hamilton, the longtime voice of the Cleveland Indians, who joins us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Tom Hamilton, thanks so much for the time on a Saturday morning. How's your offseason going so far? Going great, Max. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying kind of Indian summer here. I think uh, we have 70 degree weather so we'll we'll take it as long as we can and and hope the same in chicago yeah it's absolutely beautiful here i've got a i've, I've got a big uh, session of bags or cornhole set for this afternoon <laughs> i just whoop, can't wait baby get one more in one more in before they go away uh for the year tom um what does francisco lindor mean to the the culture and personality of that team that organization and 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 how big of a blow would it be for to lose him at this point? Well, I I think first off, Max, he's the face of the franchise, really, and he's one of those unique players that you know, and, and we've seen it in our sport and in other sports. But he truly is one of the elite players in the game. But he has the whole package. Uh, he has the personality. He's a good-looking kid with a million-dollar smile that kind of lights up a room. He's very well-spoken. He's very intelligent. He knows how to to deal with the media. He interacts with the fans and obviously plays the game with a great deal of enthusiasm. And I think it's one of those old adages we've talked about. My gosh, if, if I had his talent and his looks, well, I'd be smiling all the time, too. I mean, he... 
you don't see many of those in the game, and I, I think he is certainly among the top five players in all of Major League Baseball, whether it's position players or pitchers. Plus, he plays a premium position that impacts the game, you know, in so many different ways. And he's a guy on top of that that usually hits for average, hits for power, and can hit anywhere in the lineup. So, you know, he's the kind of guy that you build a club around, but it's it's a foregone conclusion that his time is up here in Cleveland and, you know, come opening day, if opening day takes place like we hope next April 1st, uh, there's no way he'll be at shortstop for the Indians. What What is the if? What is the if for you? Is it just the uncertainty of the pandemic? Uh, yes. Or yeah. it, it, is, is that is that it? Because there's also there's also some things they have to agree on. And I was just talking about it in terms of possible right. expanded playoffs and DH and stuff like that. But the pandemic is what you're referring to. That's it. And, and Max, I think um, just the, the byproduct of the pandemic is, quite honestly, nobody knows what next year's going to bring from the standpoint of fans in the stands. Are you going to be able to have fans in the stands or are you going to be limited? Is it 20% of your park, 25% of your park? And let's face it, that that is going to have a huge impact on the ball club's revenue because, you know, you can break down the numbers any way you want, but I think it's pretty much assumed that anywhere from 40 to 50% of a ball club's revenue comes from people in the stands, whether it's parking tickets, concessions, on and on and on. The other thing too, that kind of gets lost in that equation sometimes is think of all of the advertisements you have on your jumbotron between innings. You have ballpark, all of that is based and sold with the idea that fans are going to be in that ballpark and see it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are so many layers to this that, you know, you're already hearing the talk about, hey, look, the players are saying we're playing 162 next year and we're going to be fully compensated. And yet, you know, you're already starting to hear some rumblings. Well, will ownership want a shorter season if you're going to be impacted again by not being able to have people in the seats or have a limited number of people in the seats? So it's just like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Hmm. Uh, Tom Hamilton with us here on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine has the week off. I am uh, here with you solo. Uh, Tom, um, when I see Brad Hand have his option declined, it just I I know that's telling in terms of the finances of the Indians, but maybe it's telling in terms of the finances of the entire uh, industry uh, here as we approach the hot stove season. I, I would assume that they bandied him about in trade conversations yes. and nobody went for $10 million for Brad Hand. That seems implausible to me. Seems crazy. That that one surprised me, Max. Not that the Indians uh, were going to turn down the option, but when they put him out there on waivers, that gave any team a chance to pick up that contract you know, and not have to compete for him on the free agent market with other ball clubs, which is now the case. He's a free agent. So I'm with you. I was surprised, again, with as well as he pitched last year. He didn't have a blown save until the, the final game of the year in the playoffs with the New York Yankees. And so for $10 million, I was surprised somebody wasn't going to pick that up and put that guy in the back end of their bullpen 
knowing they weren't have to spend any additional revenue, nor were they going to have to give up players to get him. So I think to your point, and I think you touched upon it, Max, it's one thing that a franchise like the Indians that is definitely going to have to cut payroll. The fact that they didn't pick it up was one thing, but the fact that nobody else did, that one shocked me. So how do they keep doing it, Tom? How do they keep regenerating incredible young cheap pitchers just over and over and over again. I know there's some very smart trades and in dealing Mike Clevenger, they picked up another one in Cal Quantrill and another Mm -hmm. prospect in that deal as well. But I love, uh, is it, is it Dr. Sticks? Is is that what they call the the kid Tristan (laughs) McKenzie? I I love that kid. Just seems to be this never ending trove of really young dudes with huge arms that come out of that system. How do they do it? Well, one thing, they they have proven, Max, that, and you mentioned the fact, the trades. I mean, they traded for Mike Clevenger. They traded for Corey Kluver. They traded for Carlos Carrasco. And remember, when they were trading for these guys, they were either in A-ball or double-A. And so it wasn't like they were knocking on the door to get to the big leagues. While they may not have been drafted, they were developed by the Indians because they got into the Indian system and the Indians people were able to make mechanical adjustments, and, you know, the rest is history. I mean, everybody knew Trevor Bauer was going to be really good coming out of UCLA. He was the third pick in the draft, but it didn't work in Arizona, but it sure as heck worked in Cleveland. So I don't think there's any question that the Indians' ability to scout and see a certain guy that they feel that they can make better. You know, the one thing you don't see the Indians do, Max, they're not like some of these college programs that simply go to a showcase event and whatever kid lights up the radar gun, that's the kid that they recruit. Mm -hmm. The Indians very seldom have those guys that light up the radar gun. Now, they throw hard. Let's not make any mistakes about that. All of the guys we're talking about, you know, with the exception of Corey Kluber. Corey was mostly, you know, 93, 94, even in his younger days. But Clevenger and even Bieber now and Carrasco and Bauer have all been able to throw mid-90s, but they have the ability to pitch. And that's what the Indians have been so good at in the organization, and they've had people on the minor league level, and obviously they're into analytics and all of that too. But analytics is one thing. You still have to be able to teach those mechanics and get these people turned around. And I think I'm, I'm not really out on a limb at all. When I say they're the best organization in major league baseball in developing pitching. And it's the only way you survive in a market like this. Now they haven't been able to do the same with position players, you know, and I'm sure that that's something they're looking at closely is, you know, how do we develop more hitters so that we're not always having to trade four hitters with that surplus of pitching. But, you know, Tito Francona is a part of this too. And Terry has always said from the day he got here as manager beginning in 2013, whenever you think you have enough pitching, go get more. And that's what keeps you competitive year in and year out. How they do it, it's beyond me. And, you know, it's kind of like some restaurant secret sauce. No one's going to really give you the recipe for it. Yeah, it, it's it's remarkable them them in Tampa Bay, you know, and, and when yes. you've got when you've got a, a reason and a need to be like forever 
forever cheap and efficient. If you can figure out how to do that, that's how you stay competitive. It, it really is. It really is remarkable. All right. Last thing for you. Here's uh, Max Spiegel uh, in for um, in solo on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine has the week off. Surprised that Sandy Alomar Jr. did not get interviewed for the White Sox position. I was. I was hoping for that, actually. You know, I, I didn't know who might interview him, Max, but I sure thought somebody would. I mean, what he did with this ball club in the absence of Terry Francona and not knowing when Tito was coming back. You know, that's the other thing. You know how that is if you're in school and you know you've got the substitute teacher for an indefinite period of time. Good luck to the substitute teacher keeping that class in line. And um, Sandy did it. And I again, speaks volumes to who Sandy Alomar is and the amount of respect that he commands from the ball club. But I, I thought he did an incredible job, and I thought what he did, Max, would put him back on the radar for other teams looking for managers. Now, I'm not certain. I haven't talked to Sandy uh, this off season, but I, I don't know if anybody requested to interview Sandy, and he did it quietly or said no thanks. I'm not real certain on that max i i probably shouldn't speak on on behalf of you know 29 other organizations but i I think somebody's really missing the boat by not having sandy alomar as their manager because under those circumstances and also remember a couple of things sandy didn't have brad mills who i think is the best bench coach in all of baseball and has been tied at the hip with terry francona everywhere they've gone now brad has since announced his retirement but Now you've lost not only your manager, but the second most important person in that dugout, the bench coach, and then the hitting coach, Ty Van Berkeley, opted out uh, due to COVID reasons and and health reasons. So you now had two kids that were minor league coaches coaching first and third. And, and, you know, you're putting this all together on top of everything else that you dealt with during the summer uh, with COVID. I'm I'm stunned whether it was the White Sox. I think the White Sox obviously had a game plan where they were going. I mean, that, that, that seems pretty evident now. And look, if you can get Tony La Russa, then, you know, Sandy would be the first guy to say, I get it. I mean, when Sandy was the interim manager for Manny Acta, we would do the manager show every day, and it was the last week of the season. And Sandy told me then, he goes, I'm not getting this job. They're going to bring in Terry Francona. And Sandy said then, if they can get Terry Francona to manage this team, he goes, <laughs> they'd be crazy not to. That that tells you, again, it speaks of the character of, of Sandy Alomar. But, gosh, I hope somebody gives him a chance because he certainly deserves to be a major league manager, and I think he'd be tremendous. Outstanding. Well, one of my uh, one of my absolute joys on a night when the uh, when the Cubs and Sox are not interfering is to hang out on the balcony and enjoy a beverage on a beautiful summer evening and listen to Tom <laughs> Hamilton do the Indians game. So, oh, so thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Tom. Thanks so much and have a have a great oh, fall. OK, thanks so much for asking and give my best to Bruce. The next time, you know, Bruce decides to work, you know, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> nice that, you know, he can take all these vacation days. But yeah. I know he'll be back soon, Max, so thanks. All right, you got it. Thank you. That's Tom Hamilton, the Indians play-by-play man. And I know. I I heard it right away. And that man is a freaking giant in the industry. 
giant. And, and a, one of my favorite voices to hear and a guy I love to talk baseball with. And if he decides that my name is Max, well, then maybe it should be. Okay? Max Peagle. Why not? You know what I'm saying, studs? It's like, you know, who am I to go with the name that I've had for, you know, five decades? No, no, no. I think Tom says it and it feels right. Max Peagle. I think we'll Max, wrap it up. I think Max Peagle is a good name for you. Yeah, I, I'm, I am happy with it. I accept it. I embrace it. I will wrap it up on Inside the Clubhouse in a matter of moments. Rosenblum and Grody coming up at the top of the hour on 670 The Score. It's a momentous, momentous day. Big, big morning in America. I have now been called Max. Somewhere between 8 and 12 times. I've been going with the over. If I set the over under Adam Stadzinski on 8 times, I was referred to as Max. You go over or go under on 8? Oh, we're going to have to go back and check it. But I want to say I would take the over. Yeah, just barely. I think I set a good number there. I'm a good odds maker in that way. Always have been uh, since the days of doing uh, overs and unders. Uh, sideways and down for Bears games on a Bears Friday, um, which I will be on this coming week. I'm in with Danny Parkins on Thursday, and then Friday is me and a special guest host that I'm hoping for. I don't know if it's locked and loaded yet, so I can't, I can't say it, but I'm excited. I would be excited to do it. That's for sure. Um, Fun talking with Tom Hamilton. Fun talking with Ryan Dempster. You know, we'll see if Javier Baez gets dealt this offseason. I don't know. I think Chris Bryant is most likely of the Cubs' core five position players uh, to get traded. I'd probably put Kyle Schwarber second after that. And then Wilson Contreras third. This is just if I were the odds maker on this and then Javier Baez, and then Anthony Rizzo. But are you guys aware of who joins Javier Baez in the free agent shortstop class of 2021? We know that it's Francisco Lindor, the aforementioned, and Javier Baez. So the two of them together, both free agents at the end of next season. Other shortstops, Carlos Correa of the Astros, Corey Seager of the Dodgers coming off an MVP of the NLCS and World Series postseason run. And Trevor Story, one of the more underrated players in baseball, a guy who does not get enough um, love in terms of grouping him with the upper echelon, has, has proved it for lots of years in a row. So Lindor, Baez, Correa, Corey Seager, and Trevor Story, all shortstops, all free agents after 2021. Man, that is something. So, you know, whoever moves fastest on that stuff, because there's not going to be a lot of teams that are willing to take on the money and willing to part with the prospects if both Lindor and Baez are on the block. And then when it comes time to pay those guys, you know, are the Astros going to lock up Correa, lock up their guy? The Dodgers going to lock up Seager. They'll st- certainly have the money to do it. It would be wise to do that. You've got a core of Seager, Bellinger, and Mookie in terms of position players moving forward. But those decisions will get tougher for Andrew Friedman as the years go on. We know that is for sure. We'll be following along with all the baseball news throughout the week. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spiegel 670 uh, as I mentioned, I'll be here Thursday with Danny Parkins in the afternoon and Friday with a special guest host to be announced. 
And Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum are up next. There's a new president that has been named. It has been called. If you've missed it, take it from me, Max Pegel, that Joe Biden has been officially elected president, according to the AP and CNN and Fox News as well. So quite a day. Been fun to do inside the clubhouse. Bruce Levine will be back with me next weekend. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy the sun. Get out there and enjoy the day. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.